Hello everyone and welcome to Box Office Receipts. I'm your host Tyler Callahan and Barbenheimer exploded at the box office with everyone rushing out to see both films. That will be the main focus of the episode, breaking down the numbers and records and made. Uh, we also have other updates on the strikes and for streaming. Let's start with the domestic top five. Opening in first place is Barbie with $162 million. Opening in second place is Oppenheimer with $82.4 million. In third place was Sound of Freedom with $19.8 million for a total of $124.4 million. Right behind it in fourth place was Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 with $19.3 million for a total of $118.6 million. And in fifth place was Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny with $6.6 million for a total now of $158.9 million. These numbers are huge, huge, huge. And both Warner Brothers and Universal are probably popping champagne over it. Let's start with Barbie first. The expectation over the past few weeks was around $100 million opening weekend. Maybe 120 which in and of itself would be good. Would be really good. But then the pre-sales got stronger and stronger. And thanks to good reviews, interest shot up. And... With that, we now have 162 million. This makes it the biggest domestic opening weekend of the year, passing the Super Mario Bros. movie, and it is now the biggest opening for a film uh, from a female director, passing Captain Marvel. As for Oppenheimer, the expectations were around 40 to 50 million for its opening weekend, but interest also shot up and opened to 82.4 million. While it does help that it also got great reviews and word of mouth, just like Barbie. I think what we saw here was the main reason both movies opened way bigger than expected was thanks to the internet. People organically made Barbenheimer a thing, with people posting videos on Instagram and TikTok, joking about how to change outfits when watching both movies. This organic hype uh, got more and more people interested in seeing both movies, with quite a few people even planning, like, you know, like changing the outfits, like, well, we're going to go out and watch both at the same time, right? So that gets interest for both movies. And this is something studios could only wish they could do. Now, depending on how this shakes out, by that I mean both movies have good runs and don't just drop off a cliff, then this moment will be studied by marketing courses for years to come. And these two movies did so well that the total weekend total, if you include all the movies that was released, if you include all the movies that were playing in theaters, right, all the ticket sales, was 308.6 million. That makes it the fourth largest domestic box office weekend ever. Just insane. AMC also took note of the event, saying that Saturday was the busiest day for them since July 2019 and was the fifth highest in ticket revenue ever for the company. Also taking a look at the rest of the top five, Mission Impossible did take a big hit, losing all of those premium screens, uh, dropping 65% from its opening weekend. It's going to take some strong work if it wants to hit 200 million domestic uh, Sound of Freedom continues to do well, and at this point it looks like it'll at least hit $150 million. Uh, domestically, this will be one of the big stories of the summer. Opening in first place in China is a new movie called Creation of the Gods, Kingdom of Storms, with $44.8 million, and it did open on Thursday, so its total is now $56.6 million. In second place is Chang'an, with $42.6 million, for a total of $176.8 million. Third place was Wonder Family, which opened at 32.8 million. In fourth place was Never Say Never, with 21.7 million, for a total now of 274.9 million dollars. 
And in fifth place was Barbie, which opened to 8.6 million. So for Barbie, that's actually not a bad number, as it really was a question what the level of interest would be from the Chinese audience, and it actually might catch on a bit. Reviews have been good over there, and on Sunday, some theaters actually start to add more screens due to higher demand. So the 8.6 was a mix of going in, there wasn't expecting to be a lot of demand, so there weren't a lot of showings available Friday into Saturday. And then by Sunday, theater owners are saying, oh, there's actually more interest, let's give them more screens. Now, I'm not saying this will make it $200 million in the country, but I think it could hit like a solid $40, $50 million. It comes as no surprise that both Barbie and Oppenheimer opened big around the world as well. Barbie earned $194.3 million for a worldwide opening weekend of $356.3 million. This makes it the biggest opening ever for a non-franchise film for Warner Brothers. And in some markets, Barbie marked the biggest opening ever for a Warner Brothers film. This includes New Zealand, Mexico, and Australia. Oppenheimer made $98 million for a worldwide opening weekend of $180.4 million. Internationally, the movie is now the second biggest opening for a film by Nolan, only behind The Dark Knight Rises. Also an exclusive from Deadline, thanks to Barbie and Oppenheimer, the UK had the biggest week at the box office ever, with $66.3 million for the week of July 21st to the 27th. This beats out the previous record holders set in 2015 when Star Wars The Force Awakens debuted. As for other films, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 earned another $55 million for a worldwide total of $371 million. Insidious The Red Door made $12 million for a worldwide total of $155.8 million. It still has a bit to go, but if it holds on, it could become the highest grossing film in the franchise. Elemental continues to hold on with $18.3 million for a worldwide total now of $356.6 million. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny made $8.2 million for a worldwide total of $335 million. And No Hard Feelings is at $82.6 million. We start off the news in Hollywood with an update on strikes with really all the news coming from the SAG side. The SAG union held a big rally in Times Square in New York City. In an exclusive from Variety, they are reporting that Dwayne Johnson is helping out the union by donating a seven-figure amount to the SAG after foundation. This is a foundation set up to provide financial relief to its members, like during COVID and, well, now during the strike. So, good on Johnson for donating a few million. Publicists are having issues with SAG as some of them meet with SAG leadership this week to try and get some of the rules loosened up in regards to having actors being able to promote their work. Why are they pushing for it? Well, that's their job, right? The publicist's job is to help promote the movies. So right now, they are on a involuntary work stoppage as most of their clients can't work. They did not get anywhere with leadership so far for now, saying the rules will stay the same. Some unnamed publicists are telling Deadline if this goes into the fall, there will be some publicists that will go out of business. SAG leadership has to be real careful how they handle this. I understand their primary concern is their union and right now their public mostly supports the strike but if this goes into the fall and it starts to come out people in adjacent industries like publicists are losing their jobs because of it it might not look good like if i was a uh, studio head i would spin it that it's the union's fault that they didn't make a deal so people are out of work and as the uh, strikes rage on we got more movies delays 
Uh, let's go first to Sony, where they basically updated their entire schedule. First is Gran Turismo, which is getting stretched out. Its original date was August 11th, and that was a wide release. It will now instead be a preview showings for the weekend of the 11th and the 18th, with the proper wide release being August 25th. Why? I have no idea. It's not like they will be done by then for the actors to do any press for it. Apparently Sony is saying it allows the fans to speak about the film, like, if I go see it on the 11th or the 18th, I really enjoy it. I'll be posting on social media, hey guys, you gotta go see Gran Turismo. It's like, that's not gonna happen. But, I don't know, movie's out in about a month anyway, so it doesn't matter. The big delay is Craven the Hunter. While it already got its first trailer out, its first poster out, it was set to come out October 6th, it's, it's not coming out this year. All the way to the end of next summer, coming out August 30th, 2024. Uh, but hey, taking the end of summer, Labor Day weekend next year, not a bad spot. Ghostbusters Afterlife also got delayed, no longer coming out in December, but will come out March 29th, 2024. This also means Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse has been delayed to an unknown date. Uh, this is not surprising, as a word online when Across the Spider-Verse came out, uh, was that Beyond is not even close to being finished, and that was before the strikes happened, or before the actor strike started. So yeah, for Spider-Man, that's not a strike-related one. That's just kind of assumed, and they just confirmed it. The Karate Kid reboot leaves next summer and will now come out December 13th, 2024. As for new films, Bad Boys 4 has a release date and will now come out June 14th, 2024. It's set for a Father's Day weekend and will go up against Inside Out 2. Venom 3 also got a release date and will be out July 12th, 2024. In other delays, Focus Features and Universal are pushing back a Drive Away Dolls to February 23rd of next year. And from Searchlight, they are delaying Poor Things from September 8th to December 8th. And to finish up release dates from 20th Century Studios, they have set December 1st as the release date for The Bike Riders. This is the film directed by Jeff Nichols with a great cast including Tom Hardy, uh, Michael Shannon, Austin Butler, Jody Comer, Wade Hollerbrook, and Norman Reedus. And for the New York Film Festival, Ferrari will close it out with a showing there on October 13th. This is ahead of its full release on December 25th. And sadly, we have another death in Hollywood this week with Randy Fulmer passing away at 73 after a battle with cancer. You may not have heard of him, but he was an animator at Disney and worked there for over 20 years, working on some of their biggest animated films, including Beauty and the Beast, as well as The Lion King. May he rest in peace and thoughts and prayers are with his family. In an unusual new story in Vermont, the film set for Beetlejuice 2 was burglarized with a statue seen in the first film taken. Uh, we know this because Ver Vermont State Police posted pictures of the statue on social media asking for people to call if they have any info. Not sure how they were able to steal that big of a statue, but I guess if actors are on strike and production is shut down, it does make it easier. IMAX released their Q2 earnings report and the company is growing with them making 8.3 million in profit. This time last year they reported a 2.2 million loss. And thanks to the large amount of IMAX ticket sales for Oppenheimer, they are looking good for Q3 as well. Uh, besides people coming in droves to see films on IMAX, they are also getting contracts to set up or upgrade current IMAX theaters with 84 global signings. It might still be too early to tell, but between Oppenheimer's IMAX numbers and how much of a hit Mission Impossible took, losing all premium screens. It does seem like one trend since the pandemic for moviegoers is if they do decide to watch a movie in theaters, they want it to be on a premium screen. They want the best bang for their buck, otherwise they could just wait and watch it at home. 
so IMAX is the clear winner here, but you also have cinema-specific premium formats as well, like RPX from Regal, that can take advantage from this as well. For trailers, we have two, both of them horror. The first is a trailer for The Exorcist Believer. This premiered the trailer attached with Oppenheimer over the weekend, and now Universal has released it online. The trailer does make it seem like it will be a solid horror movie, but rumors online have been that it's actually really bad, and test screenings have been poor. We'll see what it actually is on October 13th. The second trailer is... The second trailer is one for Saw X, which brings back Tobin Bell as John Kramer, a.k.a. Jigsaw. The horror movie from Lionsgate is set to come out September 29th. Let's start off VOD Premium with Amazon, where they have released a trailer for Gen V. This is the boys spinoff show that we mentioned last week. And to no one's surprised, it's pretty gory, just like the main show. It's set to premiere September 29th. And in an interesting move from Warner Brothers Discovery and YouTube, Max and NFL Sunday. And in an interesting move from Warner Brothers Discovery and YouTube, Max and the NFL Sunday ticket will be part of a bundle as one way of subscribing to them. While they did not announce what the pricing would be for the bundled service, Sunday Ticket right now is on sale for YouTube TV customers for $2.99 for the season and $3.39 for non-TV subscribers. The sale lasts until September 19th, where it will then cost uh, $3.39 for TV subscribers and $3.89 for non-subscribers. I do think this is a good move from Warner Brothers Discovery because it's, if it's marketed right, you will see the Max branding right next to the Sunday Ticket when it's advertised and have customers start to make a connection between the two, even if there's not really one there. While this might get a few new subscribers, I don't think it'll get them a big increase in subscribers for Max. Uh, but hey, great marketing move. We got the Q2 earnings from Comcast, and with that, an update on Peacock. Good news is that revenue increased to $820 million. The bad news is that losses increased to $651 million. As for subscribers, Peacock now has $24 million, up $2 million from the previous quarter. I would take it the... Hope of the Super Mario Bros. and Fast X coming to the streamer soon, as well as the Premier League coming back, should help increase the count for the rest of the year. Who knows, maybe they'll hit 30 million by the holidays. During the earnings call, Comcast president Mike Cavanaugh shot down rumors they would be interested in a minority stake in ESPN and building a partnership with Disney and running it. Quote, so I would put aside the idea that there is anything inorganic, you know, that is likely to happen around ESPN in particular, which is what we've been asked about, end quote. Personally, if anyone does make a deal with Disney to partner up on ESPN and take a minority stake in it, it will likely be a tech company like Amazon or Apple. One, they have the cash to afford this, unlike the studios in Hollywood, and they want to grow out their streaming offerings, and adding more sports would be one of the best ways to do it. In the exclusive from Above the Line, they are reporting that Donald Glover and his brother Stephen Glover will be writing for the Lando Calrissian show for Disney+. Plus. Previously, Donald Glover was signed on just to reprise his role as Lando, but Justin Smeen, who was developing the show, left last year. Obviously, nothing will be done script-wise until the strikes are over, but there is your Star Wars Disney Plus update. 20th Century Studios has another film headed straight to streaming. It's called No One Will Save You, and it's a sci-fi psychological thriller about an alien invasion starring Caitlin Dever. It will premiere on September 22nd on the usual release pattern, which is Hulu for the United States, 
Disney Plus for most of the world, and Star Plus for Latin America. And Marvel Studios has hit a new low with the finale of Secret Invasion. Personally, I found the ending to be the worst of all the Marvel shows for Disney Plus for multiple reasons. The show was a complete disappointment, but I won't go into spoilers here. And clearly a lot of critics and viewers thought the same, with the last episode getting a 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. That is trash. And honestly, between Disney needing to cut down on the Disney Plus budget, and Bob Iger basically saying Marvel's being diluted between doing shows and films, that they slowly cut down on doing shows a lot, maybe one per year, and that's it. Because uh, personally for me, Loki's the only one I would consider great and on par with most of the movies. The rest, not so much. And SAG has approved more waivers, with some now getting conditional casting waivers. What this means is the film production can cast actors and sign them, but they cannot go on set and work. The first two to get these waivers is Please Don't Feed the Children, and an untitled Guy Ritchie film. Over at HBO, they have renewed The Righteous Gemstones for a fourth season. The third season is currently airing. And if you are looking for something to watch, the second part of season three of The Witcher is now available to stream. This is the last part of season three, and also the last time Henry Cavill will play Geralt of Rivia. And as if this episode of Box Office Receipts, if you want to follow me on X or Facebook, there are links in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and see you next time.